Welcome to Chaos People, the science and technology podcast that embraces the chaos. Hosted by computational geneticist Phil and data scientist Nick. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Carl Sagan, and I have gonorrhea. Imagine the pain that I experience right now, the neurons that are firing, the flurry of electricity, bioelectricity that is going through the shaft of my penis all the way to my brain. Perceiving <laughs> perceiving whatever this flurry of orchestra of neurons that are creating some cacophony in my brain that makes it think that I should get rid of it. And as I apply this topical cream on my penis... To fix this gonorrhea. This gonorrhea. Realizing the time-delayed effects of the topical cream. In my mind, being able to discern myself in a period of pain and no pain later. All this in a time where medicine has evolved. Through the years and billions of people that have come before me. The science required to create this topical cream as I apply it onto the tip of my penis. Hey! Oh, no, no, mommy. Mommy. <laughs> Carl, Carl Sagan's mommy. And that is why the universe is so vast. As I think about myself in the place of the universe, in space and time, there is no significance to this pain as it is a moment a very small moment in time of billions of years of evolution only to experience this form of infection between an animal like myself and a virus. This has been Carl Sagan, and I have gonorrhea. <laughs> I, should have, I should have made a script. Can we have a round of applause, please, for <clears throat> for that beautiful rendition? So I've, I guess it is beef against Carl Sagan. Um... And this is kind of towards a similar vein of people, like the the cos cosmo people, right? Would you put Neil deGrasse Tyson in then? Someone, yeah. Okay. Who who almost um, and they're not, but they they dehumanize uh, the experience of what it is to be human because they contextualize yourself in, you know, in space and time of the universe where we're of the Earth where we should only know you know, 80 years of life. And we can only contextualize life in that way. The pain is real. Yeah. No matter how you contextualize it. I, I see your point. I, I think it's a really interesting take. You, you, okay. You're taking, you're taking, you're, you're, you're describing why I think people like Carl Sagan and Neil deGrasse Tyson aren't as mainstream as they could be. Because what's what you what you described just now with words is subconsciously what I think people feel when they hear them talk. I feel like Carl and Neil will say stuff, and for someone like me, it inspires this like awe, and I'm like, I need to go out and do stuff that's really cool like that. But I think you're describing what happens with most people, where they're like, "Fuck you, dude!" Like I have my own shit to worry about. I can't be thinking about you know this black hole and this cosmic, you know, galaxy so far away that doesn't mean nothing to me, you know? Yeah. Well, no, it, it's, I understand the awe. 
because I, yeah. I, because I appreciate what he's doing. Right. And you have it too. Yeah. I have, I have this, we have the same chaos, like mind, like the third eye of yeah. chaos, but it's not, I, th- I feel like a lot of people do feel it. And it's, I think because it, it's, um, it's almost like Cosmo nihilism where you, you, you minimize the, the strength of experience. I'm like a stoicism in a certain way, I guess, like a Cosmo stoicism nihilism where you, take away you put yourself in a different picture yeah i, I think that um but i was he, actually looking up this stuff while, while you're in your meeting i didn't know the differences with all the different nihilisms and cosmic nihilism is one of them right where it's like uh in perspective of everything that's out there human life is insignificant essentially now the, the rebuttal i have is i don't think carl sagan meant that right no i don't think i think um he was very much of the people he was trying to inspire all of what what's happening to, like right now like it's almost smell the roses of humanity right yeah so let's be able to do that i agree with that but you do it too much and you're you're no longer your first person you've mm. you dive into a place where gonorrhea doesn't hurt doesn't you're not pissing fire like yeah where where does it end Right where you can kind of dial back in. I think I think it it can go really far the other way where nothing else where nothing matters. Right, you you can yeah. you can go from a state of awe to like, okay, I think at the bottom of that of that hill is like, I'm so inundated with my personal life and things that happen that I have nothing. I have no time for anything. You get up to the top of the hill. And you're like, damn, yeah, Carl Sagan's making me see that there's so much more out there that humans could explore if they didn't care about war and petty differences. But then you come down on that slope, and if you hit the if you hit the wrong thing and come down the other side of that mountain, then you're like really nihilistic. What do you think that is? What do you think that little the, what the inflection to, point of like you to to dive down that you can't aspire to those awes and dreams? You you realize that the, that they're really really hard. Like the aspirations of Sagan and Tyson and these guys who the human race is good enough to be a spacefaring race. When you realize that there's not enough interests in, there's either not enough interest by their humans or the fact that they're so selfish that it'll never happen, at least in your lifetime. I think then you come, then some people can fall off the other side of that cliff. I see. That's a, yeah, that's more like, um, like a practical nihilism, right? Where you're like, this isn't achievable anyway, right? It's yeah. more of like the practicality of what humanity is capable of. Whereas like, I feel like cosmic nihilism is more like, oh shit, like nothing, like anything I do, even immoral things is just, you know, whatever happens on this pale blue dot, right? It has no, where the, you know, like entropy is going to happen eventually. Yeah. If, if any act is going towards entropy or higher entropy, mm-hmm. then why does it matter that I do something? Right. I, I think the way to combat that, th- that thought process is, one, we have no inclination that there's any other show than this one. Right? So even, even if our point zero 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 whatever percent of the universe is ours what if that's the only show 
right? We have we have nothing saying that it's not. Two, the people who give you worth are just as uh, uh, ethereal as you are. So, wouldn't it be more? Wouldn't that knowledge make make it more um, compelling to to do good things in your life, knowing that the only people who you really can affect are probably your close relatives, friends. Maybe if you're lucky, other generations, if you write something or if you do something cool. I don't know. I, I think I think that's enough for me. I think knowing that... To, to, to act proper in this world, you just need to know that you have an effect on it. Yeah, because this world is all we know. There's nothing else past this. Now, if we knew for a fact that there was a trillion other worlds, yeah, okay, I, I see your point. But we don't know that. <laughs> Yeah, you can even yeah. go to a certain extent where it's like um, your life is the only world you'll know, right? Yeah. And so you take care of your life because this is the only chance you got at it, right? The only window you have is this. Understand what it means to be awesome at it, right? And like that's way – that's not even the universe. That's like your own universe. And that's – in a sense, that's the biggest universe you'll have access to, like – no, for sure. Now, do you think there's actual people out there aside yourself who even thought about this issue, quote unquote, with with what Sagan says, or do you think people just ignore him because they can't? No, I think I think they have the sense of like awe about it. Like he, yeah. he says cool shit. Like explains science very well. Yeah. Um, he. I think it's important thoughts to have in life about the universe. But the philosophical repercussions of it uh, could be quite dire because mm. it, it is nihilism. And nihilism, I'm anti-nihilism. I think yeah. life is too precious for you to be nihilistic. But like, you weren't always that way. Yeah, I was nihilistic. Or I thought nihilism was almost like a perfect philosophy because there's no holes to it, right? <clears throat> yeah, the moment, no yeah, the moment you latch onto something, that's an attack vector of anything. So if you any faith or whatever... The moment you have faith in something, it's an attack vector on why. Mm. But it's anti-nihilistic. Yeah. yeah. Where nihilism kind of degrades um, things that shouldn't have value, right? Things that yeah. don't have, shouldn't have value or whatever you think shouldn't have value are the first to go. Mm. And you kind of think about, okay, what's left? Okay, my life. Holy shit. Is my life even worth it, right? You oh, think, I see. So, so I think what you're saying is the school of thought or, or just let's not the school of thought, the words that Carl Sagan says in the wrong context or in someone's context, I shouldn't say the wrong context could lead to nihilistic thoughts and behavior. Yeah. yeah. Like if I were, if I were having a bad trip and I listen to Carl Sagan, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure I'll get depressed. Yeah. 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 Like that's what it is, right? It can, it can lead to a certain like thought pattern that um, takes you away from the fact that their pain occurs and it's beautiful as well. Right. Mm. But maybe he would say that. Maybe pain is beautiful in his in his mind. In his mind, I don't think he would say. I don't think. I think he would just say pain is a is a uh, is a byproduct of the human mind. Byproduct of the human mind right. after human hundreds mind. of thousands of years of okay. evolution. It's yeah. required for you to predict what you should do to help you get away from this pain, and this that's why I put this cream on my penis yeah, yeah. as he grunts. <laughs> I do the grunt because like he's back to humanity. He's oh, back that. to he's back to human Carl Sagan. 
when he grunts for that moment yeah. and calls for mommy. Yeah. Because he's human again. He's not, he's not this one over this, you know, one over this infinite universe. It's Carl Sagan, the person experiencing pain. Yeah. And, and yeah, expressing it. I think human expression is, um, yeah, it, it just kind of lost in the cosmos, right? I think so. When There's you're no looking at the, yeah. yeah. When you're looking at Earth from, I think it was from uh, that picture. What caused him to write that was he was looking at a picture of Earth from like the orbit of Uranus or something like that. It's really far out. <clears throat> and it's just this little thing. And from that perspective, there is no humanity, right? There's nothing. You're so far away that to any observer that didn't know that was Earth, it's just a pixel in the, in the, in the background, right? Which is truth, right? It is truth. Yeah. It's just an issue of uh, perspective. Correct. Yeah. Because there, there may not be anything else out there to perceive anything. What I mean is... Yeah. If someone, if 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 a god or if a very something, if if some entity that was able to <clears throat> describe the entire universe to me came in this room right now and said, "Phil, Nick, there's no other life in the universe," or if it came in and said, "The Earth, the universe is teeming with life," I wouldn't be surprised at either of those things. I don't know why, but I wouldn't be. I I think it's because it's so unknown that it, it, it's literally a coin toss in my head. Because mm-hmm. we don't know how, we have no idea how hard it was for, for it to start here. And since we have no, we have nothing to go off of, but we don't know what the distribution looks like. The distribution could just be us, or we could be in that, it could be a normal distribution. And we're just one of those worlds that just it's popped normal. out. Yeah. I and mean, it's hard to assess life, right? From like so yeah. far away. So I guess my point is, I think I think because of that unknown, I've never actually had an issue with nihilism. I, I think socioeconomically you can have nihilism. I think you can have nihilism because of like you, you know that you're, if you're poor, yeah, like you'll, you know, you'll never be anything. And I think if you're intelligent and you feel that way, that's where nihilism comes from because you're an intelligent mind and you're, you know that you figure out, you do the math and you realize the chances of you doing anything other than what you are at that moment is really low. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, well, again, it's, it's, it's relative, but it's relative to the human experience, right? Yeah. Like nihilism, if, you, if you're going to be nihilistic, that's nihilism that I understand. But cosmic nihilism, that, that, that's the person bored. <laughs> it's the person bored? Yeah, with not things that are tangible. I see. Right? <clears throat> I see. I understand it. But, but to go into nihilism because of it is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I understand the feeling and sentiment because I'm very much sensitive to it. I just, um, I guess I try to fight it a lot. But I, just so I can understand, what about the vastness of the universe could cause you to be that way? Like, why? You mean, in, like... How, how could you go down, how can you, that little, how could that piece of information make you go down a nihilistic path? Just because the universe is so vast, yeah. Like, why does like why does it matter? Like physically, why does it matter? And the temp- and even temporally, matter? why does it matter? I You're- guess because I believe that every person on the planet is unique in the fact that it's 
experiencing life. And I think as long as you matter to those units, it doesn't matter what is happening outside of the earth. No, no, yeah. Yeah, but the cosmic nihilist, nihilist doesn't think that way. They'll think, why does even human struggle matter or human compassion matter oh, I see. or even human connection matter? It's just evolved states. It's like designed already this way. I see. I think I think the reason why I don't understand is because I've always been the kind of person where I see the plate in front of me. It's very rare that I see outside of that plate. Scientifically, I can. Mm-hmm. I can think about interesting questions, but it's usually it's usually based upon stuff I already have questions about. I think it's a unique mind that can look outside that plate, and I think I, I have a either a blessing or a curse that I can be like, this is my plate of shit, right? And if I go past that plate of shit, I'll get anxious or I'll get, like, bothered. So, like, I I have a really hard time going outside of that plate of shit. (laughs) And I think as long as you keep that plate busy, at least for me, that's how my mind works. Yeah, no, that's – I I find that much healthier. Yeah. Going out – yeah. You got so much plates of shit. Yeah. Carl Sagan. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Carl Sagan. Yeah. Yeah. I know what he's trying to do because a lot of people like, can't even look outside the plate, right? And so he's just yeah. giving you, um, giving you access to it, yeah. a mind that is able to do it, and then expressing himself. And I totally understand it. It's a yeah. beautiful thing. He pr- produces, yeah, beautiful content. But I'm just, uh, I guess I'm. It's my critique against that kind of mentality mm-hmm. too much. No, I understand. Yeah. yeah. And I know you know you know this already, but I think what his point was was. <sighs> Right there, Carl Sagan doesn't cough, right? Yeah, no, he wouldn't cough. <laughs> he just exhales air made by carbon dioxide and oxygen <laughs> from billions and billions of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm dying! I'm dying. <laughs> he is he is dead, right? Yeah, he died. He died pretty young. I think it was did cancer. He? Oh yeah. shit! R.I.P. Carl Sagan. So he did. He did have a very existential process of death for sure I know so that. like yeah i always wonder like the the last thoughts of like people like him what is it um uh, steve jobs uh, I, I don't know if this is true but his last words like whoa 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 wow like yeah like, shit like death is happening like yeah Interesting. so feared of death like whoa it's happening like you know wow like i i feel like i would say the same thing like holy shit it's happening. Death is happening. Death is happening. It's a very individualistic assessment of what's going on. I feel like Carl Sagan would do the same thing. Like, whoa. Or, or wouldn't he? He's just like, oh, I'm just turning into, you know, yeah, I'm fossil going. fuel for the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dear, I will see you as a million molecules. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, goodbye, yeah. yeah. Put, I, that, put that cream on, please. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. Uh. Yeah, but I, I think his message was, and, you know, I know you know this already, but I think his message was basically, you know, look at all the petty shit we do. Stop being fucking petty. Look at the shit we can do. Look at the stuff we can look. We can look from this vantage point one day. But you're right. There's a, you know, oh, you know what? You know what you should read? That's even way more cosmically nihilistic. You, you got to read The Selfish Gene. That is the king of because that it's the whole book. Mm-hmm. It's basically like you are a machine that is driven by these molecules in your in your DNA. That's all you are. 
Mm-hmm. And that and, and and there's even a forward in the new version where Dawkins is like, listen, <clears throat> you know, I've gotten letters from people basically telling, you know, basically saying, thanks, Richard, you basically ruined my life. You know, he's gotten letters like that, you know, mm-hmm. and he's like, you can still have a fulfilling life. Like, shut shut the hell up. Like, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. But that book is very uh, the biological version of Carl Sagan, what he's doing, basically. I see. Yeah, no, it goes back to like what we were talking about a long time ago, like the determinism, right? Yeah. I think determinism does brew nihilism, right? Because you have no choice in the matter. But the problem is like it takes away from the fact that you are human and that you're not – you're experiencing – the universe in your own human vessel, which yeah. experiences free choice because you don't know what the hell's going on. Right. Cause you're incomplete as a, as a mind, as knowledge, you're going to operate off probabilistic, th- you know, whatever your probability array is. Yeah. Brain, right. That's what your engine is, but it's still determined because you're not beyond physics, but you're still operating on probable things mm-hmm. or your own, experience of what whatever capacity that you have to predict what you should do yeah right yeah so yeah it, but that means in, enjoy that enjoy that part of it that you get to experience this small projection of the universe hmm. I, I think that's missing about the whole um it's like a, the lack of appreciation for um I don't know. Like, I, I think I get what you're saying. Are you saying that, like, I'm not going to say, like, Genghis Khan uh, <clears throat> killing and and taking over and, and worrying about the, you know, Carl Sagan was, like, all the wars fought over this little pale blue dot, these pixels, you know. I think what you're trying to say is is that healthy, healthy understanding of what makes you human, the small things, can help you appreciate the big things more, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's, well, I think it's a whole thing. It's like the it's it's, it's all the, the whole coin, right? Yeah, it's not just you can't appreciate one side without the other. The I coin agree. is everything. Yeah. yeah, enjoy the deterministic properties of physics, and then the kind of human experience of what it means to be a, a human mind in this world. Yeah, which is very probabilistic and stochastic. I agree. I think that. Little things like love, friendship, friendship, um, coffee you're drinking, the soda I'm drinking, like these little things. You know, every all of the cosmic causality that caused you to be drinking coffee right now. All the stardust that yeah. converged at this point. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great way of looking at it too. That's like anti nihilistic thought. You use the cosmic greatness. And then you realize that these molecules condensed into you and this computer and this microphone. Um, that's where it connects for me, right? There's a connection. There's a raw connection between those things. And if anybody's feeling nihilistic, I think like the the way to at least trick your mind or bring yourself out of that thought process is like. Just the, the amount of the causality we like step or, or evolutionary tree that got you here is is cosmic. Yeah, it's huge. It goes. I mean, this is way fucking deep, but it's like um, it's a um, Camus question. Uh, it's like um, the question of 
the most important philosophical question you can ask yourself is, why don't I die? Or why don't I commit suicide? Like, why do you put food in your mouth? Why do you continue to live? Yeah. Do you want the evolutionary answer? No, yeah. Okay. I mean, I understand the evolutionary yeah. answer, right? I mean, explain. In Carl, I mean, Sagan's, Carl Sagan's voice. Well, you see, you, the reason why you eat is because you want to have billions and billions of children. <laughs> and <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. Basically, dude. You want yeah. to fuck, don't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. You want to spread your DNA molecules, the billions and billions of them, all over the planet. I mean, essentially, yeah, you eat because your mind tells you to eat because it knows that if you don't, you'll die. And if you die, you won't be able to spread your genetic material. That's the that's the whole game. That's right. the game. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a sad thing, right? Kind of. But still, that game got started because of cosmic forces, right? Mm-hmm. Like cosmic forces, stars dying and re- being reborn and coalescing of matter these things this game wouldn't exist if it wasn't for that yeah it's just hard bridging the the emotion of determinism right because it's there's an emotional feeling towards it right i don't even know how to describe it it's sad Um, i I see what you're saying because you would rather have some kind of romantic like you you want to stay alive because you love life and you want to experience your children and you want to experience your all, you know, all the beautiful right. things about life. That a hug matters, right? Yeah. But I think what's interesting is that the rules of the game allow you to do that. Because when you hug your child, you get these dopamine hits. Mm-hmm. And you can be a reductionist like me and say, yeah, my brain's being flooded by ox- oxytocin and dopamine and all these other things, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't change. I guess for me... The mind is is complex enough where it blocks that stuff out. You have to actually think about that stuff. Like when you when you're hugging your child, I assume you've, mm-hmm. you you're not like breaking that down into the chemical processes. We, we're also aware of it too. <clears throat> you're aware of it later, you though, have, right? No, at the moment, I'm like okay, oh. I'm, I'm going to get that oxytocin hit. Mm-hmm. Like give him okay. a good firm squeeze. And yeah, like, like it just melts your brain. Yeah, it does. Like right. you, and you're aware of it. You're aware of it's happening. You where it's you where it's aware that it's chemical. And it's almost hardwired. It doesn't take away from the fact that it feels awesome. So it's like an right, addiction. Right, right. Yeah, it is an addiction. Like an evolutionary addiction. Yeah. To to do to feel this. Yeah, yeah. mammals uh, have that feeling because we have to take care of our young because our young is not like a friggin' you know like a lizard that or an insect that could take care of itself. So you're ensuring that your genetic material survives. You know. So, but. Um, you know, I can say that's all blue, I'm blue in the face, but it doesn't change the fact that you would you love your child, right? So it's like, I see your point. It, it, it could it could be very it could be very lonely and sad, but the fact that we can say that though is very important. The fact that we acknowledge mm-hmm. that the reductionist's view of life and love and the fact that that makes us feel kind of little empty mm-hmm. doesn't that. Doesn't that say something about us that we can acknowledge that? Well, I mean, if you go back to the determinists, then you we're designed to think that too. Yes, right. Is this a? And there's no. There's not that's a byproduct. I think that's a byproduct. Yes, I, I believe I, I agree. Yes, yeah. um, negative thought and all that is paired with human ingenuity and creativity, right? And whatnot. Like it's all, it's all part of it. Like you being. De- I don't know any, 
I mean, I'm pretty sure animals get depressed all the time. But like lower animals, I yeah. don't think feel depression. No. An ant no. doesn't go, oh, fuck, I don't want to. I don't want to like. Eat, I don't want to cut leaves anymore. <clears throat> Correct. Yeah. And just goes off doing a camu. Like, why don't I just kill myself? I hate the fact that I look, like, I look exactly like all of my sisters. You really? know what I mean? I wonder yeah. if they can discern. Chemically, maybe there's some maybe. variation, but yeah. they're so genetically like close to each other. I, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Makes me wonder if they actually do have a hive mind. They don't have individuality at all. I don't right. wonder what that feels like. Being able to feel the thoughts or movements of other individuals as your own. Effectively moving by the pheromones that are the, the, the ratio of pheromones yeah. right, around you. Right. Yeah. But wait, I'm yeah. going to hit upon something. So the, the part that we said it, we kind of agreed that it's a byproduct. Evolution could have been way more efficient and created just robots, right? It will. It will. Well, I mean, we could have been way more simplistic than we are and still achieved. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you don't I think don't know. so? I, I think um, science when I was paired with insanity and like depression. Wait, say that one more time. I think science mm-hmm. and ingenuity and creativity is highly paired with insanity. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that? Because you make fucking leaps between neurons that shouldn't be there. Hmm. And it just like, oh shit, I could fucking spin some, I could twist this piece of wood to make fire. So, you, so you're equating intelligence with aberrations in the in the mind. So intelligence could be well, creative intelligence, yeah, creative intelligence, which is paired with dark thoughts and awesome thoughts. Why do you think? Oh, because because it's because it's creating synaptical connections that. Sh- that don't lead to survival. Don't lead to survival. It just, it just, poof, right? Like this explosion of, of thoughts. What is it like? They they did a study with like um, a lot of the great artists were uh, were bipolar. Yeah, and schizophrenia is, is Van Gogh was like really fucked. Yeah, even mathematicians were yeah. had a like um, you know manic moments and yeah depressed moments. It's like uh, it's very common for you know the great minds to be. Coupled with yeah. with mental health issues, I never thought of it the way you put it. Though I always I w- I've always equated it to more like uh, intelligence leads to a higher a higher chance of uh, removing that blissful ignorance. I never thought of it as a structural thing. A structural correlation. I've always thought of it as the more you understand, the more you know, the more you realize how dark the world is, and that's why. But I, I think we are hitting on you're hitting on something interesting is that the structural variation, the plasticity, the neural plasticity that that, that causes creative uh, thoughts also leads to really dark thoughts. Yeah, you. I think it becomes this kind of spiral of. Of thoughts, right? Like, I feel like a healthy mind. I would say healthy. I, I feel like a mind that um. You're saying an ignorant mind. You're saying a very a very a, a mind that won't kill itself. Okay. A mind that won't kill itself is a mind that is very much like feed forward. It won't do high reflection. Um, it'll just keep on doing its thing, right? Like an ant, just keeps on doing its thing. It's, it has a job. The network is doing its job, it survives, it fucks, the progeny goes Most on. Most ants don't fuck, actually. 
Well, they. Well, that's don't, a very don't, important don't, thing. They, don't they all have sex with one queen? So all of the workers are female. Okay, they don't get to have sex at all. The males are very small portion of the population. They they don't, they don't they work do. at all. Hmm? They don't work at all. They don't do anything basically. They're also haploid, which is really weird. They only have half the genetic, so they're like one N instead of two N. They only have one oh, cr- pair of each one set of each chromosome. Um, and uh, there's very very few of them, and actually they disperse and they mate with other queens. So you'll have like a that's how you have gene flow in those in those uh, populations. Mm-hmm. But that's most ants. I don't know if that's all ants, but. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. So you, since you have a pairing of it, you have a diploid queen, mm-hmm. you have a haploid male, the sisters are actually 75% related instead of 50%. They share 75% of their genetic material. So they're they're like oh, closer to clones. Clones, than, right, yeah. You know, um, so you have this like really like ant, ant colonies are, are f- fascinating dude like the like the shit that goes on it's it's Mm. like the when the queen dies they feed like this type they they feed the certain foods to the and bees do this too to like a new offspring and then they there's hormonal control that that pops in and it becomes a queen right it becomes it's it's really interesting um anyway it's like that's so weird where you a certain pheromone unlocks certain genes because yeah. of the the lack of something in the society, right? Yeah, yeah. Like we, either, need, we need more. We need more workers. We need more whatever. And yeah, then just like this communal. <clears throat> and, in, and in bees, they actually feed it royal jelly. They actually feed the larva. The, the larva they select to be the queen. They mm-hmm. feed it this food, and that has something to do with it. Damn. Yeah. So it's food, though. Is it honey? It's called. Yeah, it's, it's a special. I, I have to look it up. I don't know off the top of my head, but it's a special food. Only, for, only for the queen. Only for the new queen. I, want, I wonder if you can harvest that. You can buy royal jelly. Can you? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. That must be like three hundred dollars a pound. I don't know. I know just I've seen it though. Carl yeah. Sagan just has has yeah, it all, yeah. all, all, all over his this body. Is this is royal jelly. jelly. <laughs> As I apply it to my bare chest, I can see how all the evolution required for the yeah, the bee is just to get to that point where they determined they need to do this to. Create new queens. That's crazy. But here's the thing about the, about those lower forms of lower quote unquote forms of life. I don't think they actually experience consciousness at all. I think they're in that parallel processing where they don't. It's just a flood of information, and there's no actual thought at all. It's just robotic at that right. point. It's algorithmic, right? Completely algorithmic. Like we're algorithmic too, but it doesn't feel like we are because we have this thing called consciousness. Yeah, where we have this feed forward sequential thought process that happens. I think that's a byproduct of, of our brains. And I think that that's the only reason we're sitting here talking about this right now is because that weird fluke happened where we have, and there's only a few, only higher quote unquote animals have this. And uh, there's variations of it. I think we have the highest form of it. Probably I could be wrong about that. Maybe elephants do maybe whales. I don't know, but I think mm-hmm. we have the highest form considering we can build computers and stuff, but it makes you wonder what, like, if, if it is just learning, right? Like, if it's just learned behavior. Um, like, w- w- what does it mean to have, like, a negative feedback loop when you're learning something? Like, if, if you, say, you say the wrong thing and you hurt a person's feelings, that person expresses how they got hurt. And then you're hurt 
through it. Now, there's a huge time delay on what you said to, you know, them interpreting it, yeah. to them expressing it, and then you changing your mental model not to do that again. Yeah. Right? There's a whole thing going on. What is that? And then you alter your brain, right? And that's a learned thing. That's a chaos thing that's occurring that makes us a little more fit, I guess, than other animals. Yes, I think that increases fitness because what's going to happen based upon that interaction is that you're going to you're going to uh, improve your model, your your, and then you're going to improve your stance in that social circle. Or if it's with your spouse, you're going to potentially have more chances of procreation, right? So it's I think that, that there's some type of yeah, there has to be. Um, usually, there's a benefit there. Well, it, it just means it's super high adaptation, right? It's mental super, adaptation. Yeah, mental adaptation. Like, yeah. It's give me any world. I'm going to figure it out because I'm going to have. Yeah. Sorry, social adaptation. I think that's what that is. But it's environmental of any kind. I could be thrown into a place where, you know, like in alone where I'm thrown into Vancouver. Right. Yeah. But it won't help you against a bear though. <laughs> right? Like, like. <laughs> no, no, no but, I, but you can still, if you read a book, you can learn. Right? Yes. On, yes. on how to survive. How to survive. Yeah. Right. And so you, you, you're this thing where you're a, a vessel of adaptation. It can happen happen spontaneously. Yeah. Whereas, like the animal, the, the ant, completely feet forward. I don't think it has a kind of reflection. It's evolutionarily determined um, adaptation, not. It's phenotypic. Uh, its distribution of phenotypic uh, expression is much more constrained than ours. Mm-hmm. Like, you could literally math out the chances of it making a left or right, or or you know, like like. You can create a pretty good model to predict what that ant's going to do on a daily basis. Right. It's really hard to do for humans. Uh, Well, okay. It's not impossible, like if someone has a structured existence. But if we were, I don't know, given like a a load of options, I feel like that model would look chaotic to most people because there's no way you could kind of. But that's a craziness about it. The highly adaptive mental parameter is the kind of parameter that would create high variance in thought in, you know, scientists to, to mental illnesses of all kinds. It's the craziness of it. You unlocked the craziness part. Like if you want like these language models or whatever to go to be more human, you have to unlock that craziness parameter where it can mm. adapt to anything. Whereas you like you can adapt to anything, right? Yeah. And I think it's close. It's getting closer. Do you think that's why they? Is that why they limit ChatGPT and Bing to like X amount of inquir- queries? No, that's more an issue of like the physical constraint of it. Mm. Of like what it's effectively like short term memory. So okay. it has a limited short term memory. Do those conversations get stored? As it, okay, I know they get stored, but do they get stored in the training of the next phase? No. Oh. So what's interesting is like people have different ideas on how they could make LMs. And I don't think the way LMs, these large language models mm-hmm. are like human. I don't think they're that close when it comes to what humans are, right? Their brain architecture, not more like a database of one token to another. Yeah. I mean, it's not just, it's like a lot of things in neural network right. handling it. Um, but people... It's at least, I don't know, ostensibly, ostensibly their uh, reasoning, right? 
They're these reasoning machines, ostensibly at least. Mm-hmm. If it's ostensibly so, then you can fake it till you make it, effectively. Mm. So what we can do is you can then, you know, have this this model, you know, run through the day. It does its thing, and then it determines like what we do when we go to sleep. We determine what things to store into long term memory. It's called fine tuning. We can do in in language models. You can fine tune that model for that day. It's like another person. Yeah, because we're pretty much feed forward until the next day. I think we don't change all too much. No, in our I brain. think that's why yeah. sleeping is. That's one of the things that happens during sleep, right? And dreaming. It stores whatever activated functions are in your brain. It, it kind of stores into memory. Yeah, like these. These are the good neurons to keep. Like this or this edge is the good edge to keep, and then just go transits the next day, and that's fine tuning effectively. And it, could it create an insane person? Like, what does insanity mean in that? Hmm. Right. If Aren't can, there people yeah. that are trying to do that? That are that are trying to create like malevolent large language models? Oh, absolutely. But they they don't they don't learn. They just try to do something from a, a state. I see. I see. Yeah, it's like a yeah. It's a, it's already a single state model, and just kind of what should I do next from that same model. Um, and the situation is context, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not, the model isn't adapting at all. Whereas we are this constantly adapting thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's one way to, to make a person just fine tune every five seconds. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Basically like give it like the equivalent of sleep every, you know, time you can. Every time you can, or for big ones, but but even for small ones, you would change the weights just a little bit per, you know, for for any kind of feedback loop that's negative or positive. Yeah, it makes me feel better because not better, but like feel good about when I say because I whenever I have to make a big decision, I always say to myself, "I'm going to sleep on this first. I feel like I have a better perspective on it the next day. Always. Yeah. Also, it's like experiencing the same thing, but also your emotional state is different, right? True. So you're hopefully a little more relaxed. Yeah. You may hear yeah. something. Let's say I said something to you and you were like, dude, I don't like the way you said that. Right. Yeah. Initially it might kind of be put aside, put back a little bit like, damn, like, mm-hmm. but when you, yeah, when you wake up the next day, usually you're like, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm in a clearer state of mind. I understand why Nick said what he said. Right. You know, I won't do that again or something like that. You know, yeah. whatever it is, it's, it's like, um, the reflection it's, that's a crazy thing about human emotions, right? Like the emotions themselves, change how you experience something even if it's the same love is like that right so like absolutely you could hear something someone could walk by me right now and say something mm-hmm. i'm like shut the hell up dude and right. then if it's like you know significant other saying that you're like wow it's the most beautiful thing i ever heard right so it's it's like this like uh <laughs> it's the same exact thing yeah right but it's just said by someone else it's con- highly contextual yeah I guess I don't know where uh, we're going with Carl Sagan, but uh, <laughs> what's your opinion of him? Like you have a, I mean, I feel like uh, like someone else we know. I think your family mm-hmm. member said mm-hmm. he's a treasure, right? Yeah, he's something a like that. Yeah, yeah. I I kind of feel that way uh, only because if it wasn't for people like Carl Sagan, we'd have to look up to people like Donald Trump. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, 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 
you know, like, that like materialism and whatnot. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I, basal human emotion. Uh, knowing that there's people out there that have a voice, like have gotten to the point where they can speak and 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 present very good arguments and write books and movie. You know, uh, Contact was Carl Sagan. I know a lot of people don't like that movie, but I think it's a really good. I think it's a really good idea. You know, maybe yeah. the movie wasn't perfect, but no, I think it's a good movie. It's a cool classic. Yeah. I think, yeah. And um, people like him, people like Neil deGrasse Tyson, people like Einstein, people like you know all these people like that. Uh, they're my like Michael Jordans, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, don't get me wrong, I love Michael Jordan, but it's like I can't achieve what Michael Jordan did. Mm-hmm. I can maybe achieve a percentage of what Einstein or Carl Sagan did, mm-hmm. knowing what the skills I have. If I was a basketball player, I'd feel different, right? But I'm not, so I think that's the reason why I find him to be so important. Well, yeah, and he, also he can he can kind of talk to anyone. Yeah, he was very yeah. down to earth. Where he could be with any yeah any kind of person, whether it's an athlete or you know politician. Yeah, down to earth scientists are rare to find. I think that's, you know, you, you actually brought this up in one of the previous podcasts about why do scientists, why are they so bad at, at presenting? What do you think that is? It's kind of like what you were getting off with the intelligence versus like uh, dark, dark thoughts. I think that, I don't think that's exactly this mechanism, but I think like intelligence comes with a very awkward, um, usually comes with a very awkward like state of social interaction parameters or something. Mm-hmm. Why that is, I have no idea. It's a selection bias, right? If you are a scientist, you probably are of a certain demographic that is, um, I would say awkward yeah. is one of the words, but yeah. They they don't care for presentation. It just, the facts are there. You like it or not. Yeah, how, how, what, like, why the hell do I have to talk about this? Like, don't you understand what I'm doing? Yeah. yeah. It's like rush hour, right? It's like what? Rush hour. Yeah. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, that, that's the whole, yeah, every single time you flip a page, yeah, they're just saying, you just, just read the words that are coming out of my, my mouth. Is <laughs> Carl Sagan doing that? <laughs> Do you understand? You understand? <laughs> no, I think it's, I think, okay, so I'm one of those, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I'm one of those scientists that is not socially awkward. Yeah, I think you present well, yeah. Even if I didn't do great on that, I could still talk to people. Like, like, nor, like, I go around talking to anybody, anyone in this office right now. Yeah. And I feel like that's, I think Carl Sagan was a little bit like that. And I think Neil deGrasse Tyson is like that, too. Yeah. Like, he's very engaging. If you see him on, like, a panel, he's always loud and he's always, like, almost to the point where he's over-talking a little bit sometimes. Very Trumpish, a little yeah. bit sometimes. Like, during the Trump debates. Very, like, loud, very boisterous. Yeah, yeah. but that's great because, like, we need more scientists like that, in my opinion. Yeah, that, that's what I think. It's like charisma is is not – um. For I think a lot of charisma – and I don't know about, like, comedians' review about this, but I think charisma can be taught or learned, right? Like, a lot of comedians, they hate going on stage, but they do it and they get better mm. and better and better. Interesting. Um, I think a lot of comedians are very intelligent, and I think that's – I think we're I think we're seeing the same thing. But it's a skill set they try to get better at. Because they have to. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But scientists also should think it's a Correct. have to. It's like a must have to for science to be even better. Yeah. And so there's a lot and there's a lot of other things that come with the intelligence in scientists too, is that a lot of science a lot of scientists um, 
are also with with that social awkwardness. They're also have very bad people skills. Like you'll probably heard this from PhD students. Like a lot of their a lot of PIs that the PhD um, that they're terrible at, at at that. They're great at writing papers and grants, but they're terrible at people skills. And I think a lot of the reasons why science is esoteric to the population is not because it's hard to understand. It's because you haven't been given the right window into the world because most scientists are fucking terrible at, at either presenting or they have really bad people skills. And I'm not like sticking up for them, but it's part of the brain architecture of a scientist. Like that's more the norm than the, you right. Know. The distribution. Yeah. The distribution given that you are a scientist is already going to be skewed towards poor, yeah. you know, people skills. And I think that's what drives, like what happened with COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Like the reason why so many people were anti-vaxxers and all this stuff is because scientists, they almost like that. Like, yeah, I'm esoteric. Um, this is my white ivory. This is my ivory tower. This is my like, there's almost like this like seclusionary, like almost like the mages guild in like Skyrim or something, right? They're like locked away and like they're. Yeah. It, it goes both ways, right? Where the, the way people view scientists are, you know, like, like they're looking up. And then the scientists themselves look like they're looking down when we're fucking equal. We're just, just trying to figure this out together. Yeah. Yeah. We're all on the, we, we all are good at different things. Right. And I think scientists do a very poor job at science communication. That's another part of it, right? Science communication, uh, presenting to other scientists and being, uh, having people skills and running a lab and all these things. A lot of scientists are very poor at all of those things. And I think, um, what people miss, and this is scratching a niche for me, is that, you know, I, I think one of the main roles of, of a scientist in, in, in addition to doing science is science communication. And a lot of us do a really bad job, job of that. And this is like a way for me to do that, this podcast. Because I used, to, I used to do, I used to write like a column in a local newspaper. Mm-hmm. And I used to do volunteer like teaching. And I haven't done that in years. And this is a way for me to kind of do a little bit. I mean, it's very, it's obviously very different. We're kind of like jokey and we're like. Yeah, but, we're, yeah we're, we're just riffing. And yeah. this is more. Um, but for me, uh, it's been good for me. Like just kind of working on just recording and, and hearing your own thoughts appear on audio, right? Because I'm not thoroughly thinking about what I'm trying to say. Yeah. We're just spitting, spitballing for the most part. And it's like a skill set that I think people... I, I It's a skill set that you can work on and it's a skill set that scientists should work for. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think uh, one of the things we should do with this cast, in addition to what we've been doing, is like take a piece of like esoteric knowledge, mm-hmm. and make fun of it, and break it down so people can understand it, but also like have fun doing it, right? And I think that's like yeah. I mean, Carl Sagan is a yeah, treasure. Carl Sagan's one of those. Things. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a treasure, and I, and I, he's missed. I think in the COVID, right? If Carl Sagan would have done an awesome job, yeah, with it. Correct. If it wasn't if it wasn't Fauci, and it was and it was and it was him. Carl Sagan. Yeah, it yeah. would way better. Yeah, the best yeah. is like so. My mom. So Fauci's an Italian, obviously. Italian American. Fauci. And my mom said, "Oh my." God, Dr. Fauci, he's Italian-American. I said, yeah. He's like, you got to listen to everything he says, Phil. He is a treasure. You know, like basically, as soon as she found out, like, he was Italian, that didn't matter what, he could have said, like, the most crazy shit, and she'd be like, oh, he's an Italian-American. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, he doesn't even seem Italian-American. He doesn't, no. Yeah. 
Yeah. He just seems like he's a, American. Yeah, yeah he's like just a, American. Like a yeah. squirrely American. Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he wasn't a because he's not a good charisma. Correct. Right. That's yeah. the issue. I mean, whether he's like you know highly capable at his job or whatever, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't, but I wouldn't know because he's not delivering it very well. Yeah. Correct. He's almost like, shut up, let me speak. Yeah. Yeah, he is like that. And the standard scientist like mentality in my mind. That's the standard scientist mentality. Right. Listen to me. I'm more educated than you. You're you know? not, yeah. You're not hearing people out yeah. as much. Yeah. Listen to me. I'm more educated than you. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that's a really dangerous uh, place to be because that's why people distrust science because people distrust scientists because people distrust the person. It all goes back to the person, right? How, are you effectively communicating with me? Are you looking at me as as a peer? That's also sad too, because you know, as much as it is like the scientist's ability to communicate, it's also the person's interpretation of of a person, and the ability to not to not extract truth from words, you know, and everything has to be contextual. Everything has to be, you know like the who the person is like does that matter in in science and what no it right? shouldn't matter but i think it matters when you're dealing with humans because like okay everything fauci says everything i say everything you say not everything but a lot of the stuff we're talking about like okay here's an example when i said you know um do you want to know the evolutionary reason for i forget what it was you asked me a question like what why do we eat what we eat right that what I, that sentence after I said was based upon hundreds of scientific papers, mm-hmm. right? So if I say an outlandish claim like that, to me, it's like, of course, that's, that's what it is. But if right. someone from another planet comes here or another country doesn't have any basic understanding of science and hears me say that, it's, they don't realize that I'm summating hundreds of papers. Right summarizing some eating anyway you know what i'm trying to say but like i think that's another problem too is that within one sentence anthony fauci could be summing 150 studies that people don't know about right and to him that's like why of course this is true you're right he already made the the traversal of like knowledge yeah from point a to point like d right but he's not explaining what happened to b and c right yeah not yeah and then like I don't know. Uh, Trust is always an issue, right? Like, how do you even trust anyone at this point? It's always a crapshoot. It's always a role, right? Like, it's like trusting the idols now versus, like, the facts. Idols meaning, like... It's like the people matter more than the facts that they, you know, disseminate. Yeah, it's like, it kind of makes me sick how, you know, when Kanye was going buck wild with what he was saying recently about the, about Jewish people, right? Yeah. People just looked at him as Kanye West and said, well, well, of course he's telling the truth. He's Kanye West. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, dude, like, how do people, how do people, how do people do that? But then I think to myself, aren't I doing that with Carl Sagan? Yeah. Right? Carl Sagan's saying something and I'm like, well, if Carl Sagan said it, of course it's true. Yeah. It's, it, it. The sense of idols, right? It's like idolatry of science, where idolatry of, of culture and science is becoming a lesser and lesser part of it. Yeah. But there's a difference because if Carl Sagan said what Kanye said, 
Oh shit! I would have been like, dude, fuck Carl Sagan, right? Yeah. But I guess so. I guess there is a, there is a difference. There is, yeah. The, you have uh, the you're able to do both. Where there's idolatry and also um, what the actual words are. Rationality, I yeah. guess. Yeah. It overrides certain things. Hmm. I don't know. What, what what are you gonna do with your if you're that famous and whatnot? Like, how would you handle it? Would you be like a Carl Sagan where you would um, disseminate science, would, or would you yeah, want to do, do more sure. like connecting, um, like bridging? I'd like to connect science with. Um, I, I think people need. I think people need would need to would. What America at least needs the most right now is that people need to feel their self-worth needs to be increased. I feel like a lot of people, and uh, we'll probably talk about this next podcast, but we, you and I watched the YouTube video about like, it was especially directed towards young males. I think people like, the reason why Jordan Peterson is so popular is because, you see, the reason why Jordan Peterson is so popular is because he <laughs> he says things like, you know, clean up your room. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like he says things like facts that will just, are just good truths, right? Not only that, but he's the only pe- he's the only person talking to these men. Oh, yeah, right? It's, right. It, it's like it's like what the video said. It's like the right is who's talking to these young men. No wonder why they're becoming so right wing and conservative, right? And I'm not trying to get into politics here. All I'm saying is, like, it, when one group of people shuns you, the other group gives you attention. You're going to, you're going, especially especially men who don't have father figure. Yeah, I don't. Or, I, I don't even think it's like a, a, a side or anything. It's more of like idolatry. It goes back to yeah, like okay, this guy communicates well. He's, he'll be my internet daddy. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just doing Jordan in my head right now. Yeah. <laughs> You should do Carl Sagan speaks to. We should do Carl oh Sagan speaks God. to uh, Jordan Peterson. Jordan, I don't understand why you have to talk about God. <laughs> You're lucky I believe in God, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He would definitely say that. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if Carl Sagan does believe in God. Uh, I think he was a pretty staunch atheist, but uh, but I, I but I don't know. Again, atheism is. I try to explain this to everyone who I come in contact with when I say when they ask me like what I am. I mean, you don't do this. I'm saying people in general. And atheism, unless you're atheistic to everything, you're not actually atheist. So what I mean by that is I'm atheistic to the Abrahamic God. Mm-hmm. I am I'm convinced that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced that another God doesn't exist. So I'm, a, I'm agnostic to all other possibilities. Does that make sense? Well, you're all you're also atheist to certain paradigms of God, right? Not just the Abrahamic God. No, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I just use that as an example. I'm like, also I, any I, God that has like human emotions. I'm also atheistic to Zeus and like right. Wotan and Thor and yeah. Right. So it's not just the Abrahamic God, correct? Yeah, it's yeah. Atheism is hard to assess from Carl Sagan because like he, he doesn't mention it. It's not like um. Also, it's kind of divorced from it. Like you, you could believe in God while thoroughly enjoying Carl Sagan. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like I, I've always, I've always said this. I think science. That's another thing I would, I would spend my time on is explaining that science and religion are mutually exclusive. Like you can be, you could be scientific and believe in anything you want. Like I, I think that there are aspects of science that conflict with it for sure. Mm-hmm. If you're a um, 
if you're a young earth creationist, there are aspects of evolutionary biology and geology that you cannot believe in. They, certain, they yeah, are certain exclusive. truths that yeah. are that that combat. Yeah, yeah. There's a collision of truth. Yeah. Um, you know, young earth creationists. There was a there's this famous story about this younger about this geologist. Uh, I'll forget his name, but he was a Harvard or very high end a PhD candidate for geology. And he one day he had a geology textbook and the Bible, and he was a young earth creationist, and he made a choice. He said, you know, he was studying geology, carbon, all the different types of dating and, 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 and the different uh, patterns in the rock and, you know, everything that shows like there's a clear progression to like how old the earth is and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. And he just, and he picked the Bible. He said, I'm, I'm, this is, this is what I want. You know, and, you, and, he, you, you actively deny what you see. Yeah. Yeah. And. Now that's a mutual exclusivity. You 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 can't have both of those things. Certain yeah, certain yeah. religions, right? Yeah, certain religions, certain aspects of religion. Now you can still be a Christian and not have that problem. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, because you could just take the Bible as a story, and and the and the only thing you know for a truth is that Jesus was the Son of God, and that's that's your that's your truth, and that can't be denied. There's no way yeah, you can prove no, that that's not yeah. that's not true. Right. So there you go. You're fine. Yeah. But the minute you go past, like, you know, oh, you know, uh, Leviticus or Numbers or whatever is like the literal, whatever one that has the genealogy. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, whatever truth that you latch on to on the Bible, as long as it's, as long as it's not an attack vector by science, you can just have that as an axiom, right? Yeah. Yeah. I really like your question, though, what I would spend my time on if. I think uh, the self-worth thing is big for me. I think that people need to realize that they're really special and they have a lot of potential and like, yeah, they can do whatever they want. Like literally it's just, it's just, it's just a state of mind. You have to change. That's it. Yeah. I think empowerment by, um, I, I don't even know how you would do it. Empowerment by, because you have to be charismatic. First of all, you we need, we need to up your charisma game. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I need to be a little bit more, uh, you need to wear a suit and to wear a suit. Yeah, I need to be a little less Italian American, <laughs> less Fauci. Get the fuck out of here! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> be a little less Fauci. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think, I think it's doable. I think that, like, I think everybody can be like you said. Like char- charisma can be, you know, like with the comedians, right? They have to become charismatic in order to succeed. Yeah. And it's it's uh, a feedback loop, right? But with the audience and. You know, with enough iterations, I think you can develop a certain sense of charisma, or you know, what the audience wants. Do you think Jordan is uh, Jordan is charismatic? Oh, absolutely, yeah. he is because his delivery is unique and is also highly. His elocution level is like up there. Although, I think if you distill his like TLDR of a lot of his conversations, it's like very simple. It is, dude. Yeah, if you chat GPT, like his words into like summarize, I think it's very simple stuff but it's like, dude, the, the delivery package is yeah. like very good he'll riff for like three hours about like bread you know what i mean and i'm like dude, what do you like what's your favorite food jordan well you see it depends on the day and then he'll go into this whole thing what is bread you know when you really think about it and then he'll, like all he meant to say was like, my favorite food's bread right you know it's like the body of god yeah yeah well see in in the bible god actually says that bread is you know it's, and they go into cannibalism how it's not cannibalism yeah yeah, right? yeah it's actually not cannibalism because you know 
uh, God is not a human, so therefore... <laughs> is cannibalism wrong? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't do Jordan My brother is the best, dude. He, next time we get him on, we got to have him do Jordan Peterson. It's like... Really yeah, bad. I would love to have him on again. What we talk about? <laughs> we could talk about that male thing with him. Okay. Does... I mean, like, uh, he has thoughts on it, like... Maybe. I'll have to ask him what he thinks about it. I know he doesn't like really talking about... Uh, no, he might. He might. We'll have to get him on for that. Something. It, something. We'll get him on for something. I also want to uh, pick his brain about uh, potentially addiction or um, uh, he he likes talking about. It. He's very open about that kind of stuff and maybe his experiences. Yeah, as long as he's open with it. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. Um, I mean, he. I remember he did a video. He did a stream one day where he just kind of riffed on it for like an hour or two, and he made a video of it on YouTube, and it actually did really well. Like people really, it helped people. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and I'll, have, I'll link that in the show notes. Actually, uh, I'll have to remember. I, I also forgot to put our fan art from people. People sent us some fan art. I forgot to do that too. I'll, I'll remember. I'll remind myself. You could put it on like the the Twitter or whatnot, other Ooh. things. Yeah. yeah. That's a good idea. So it doesn't take away from the uh, infinite zoom. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't want to like overlay. Or we could just part make it part of the infinite zoom. Like that, that could be the first. Oh, that's picture. interesting. Yeah. I'll send them to you. So the infinite zoom, by the way, last week was fire, dude. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm dialing in on how to or what the the pre prompts should be, and yeah, the prompting. Uh, it I was kinda, really good. Yeah, and it seemed pretty responsive too, like to the context of the conversation. Um, how does that work like tldr like how does it actually work annotate uh using gpt models and then uh putting into timestamps could you like even further like <laughs> okay yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i get a i get a um the transcript right I, yeah I get all, a, all, I, all the text yeah i get I have a, a model that transcribes the whole thing and then i feed i have an open ai script that can feed chunks of conversation with timestamps um, and it gives me um, a summarization of that conversation, and then the um, concrete nouns attached to. Oh, interesting. To it, and then I separate the concrete nouns, um, interpolating it between the um, timestamps, right? Because it's uh, a conversation can have multiple concrete nouns. And that's it. You feed it into the infinite zoom. Make sure your pre-prompts are proper, and yeah, it's called impainting, where you. Um, do you know what impainting is? So you can mask a certain part of the image and it'll interpolate oh. what it should be. Okay. So I actually yeah. do know what this is. I've seen this. Yeah. Yeah. So you can get a cat and then you could just erase the top of his head yeah. and you can say a cat with a, a hat and they'll just make a hat. Dolly actually has this uh, as part of its features. Yeah. Yeah. So what we can do with infinite zoom is it grabs the image, it shrinks it. And then interpolates the edges around it. Yeah. Interpolates, shrinks, interpolates. Keeps on doing that forever. Okay. Yeah. And the conversation, timestamp, and everything hmm. attached to it. It's wild, man. I yeah. And I was I want to try you know new things in the future too. I just think it's so cool that AI is generating art like on the spot, dude. Like stuff that's never been seen by human eyes before. Yeah. It's generating it like. It's also generating uh, these these models are also by like um, I don't know how how to describe it. It's it's uh, it's almost like noise, white noise. Mm-hmm. It's a white noise seed, and it keeps on iterating on that white noise to make an image that's closer to 
the prompt. So it's like an adversarial thing that's occurring. Hmm. It changes the white noise to make sure it, it's going towards a certain gradient descent on the um, the prompt itself. The prompt itself has uh, this kind of feeling to it almost, right? You're getting the white noise closer to a feeling or a latent space. Wow. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's great. Like I, I just can sit there and watch it. Like I listen to our pods every time I upload it, just like once through, just listen right. to it. Like after it's uploaded, I also I actually listen to it twice because I do the audio That's first. Right. Yeah. So I listen to it twice basically. But yeah, I love kind of sitting back and just watching the infinite zoom. As yeah, I did it this time around too. Yeah. This is so cool to, yeah. to watch. Um, yeah, I'll make it more vibrant this time, or more abstract as well. It's going to have actual images of Carl Sagan with uh, with the. Uh, oh, I think yeah. Uh, fuck, I have to manually do that. I have to do Carl Sagan, um, but he's gonna. This is gonna be Carl Sagan in like the pits of the universe with gonorrhea <laughs> images. <laughs> imagine yourself with gonorrhea. Yeah, imagine yourself. <laughs> Watch me put this topical cream on my penis. <laughs> See how it seeps into my skin. <laughs> this is not a cream and. The difference between a cream and an ointment is that the ointment is a little more waxy. What is the difference between a cream and an ointment? (laughs) So from what I gather, because I have eczema, so I I kind of tried different ones. Ointment is more like Vaseline-ish, whereas creams are like this white, like kind of melts. I never knew that about you. Yeah. I had it pretty bad as a kid. Does anybody know know what causes it? It's unknown. I don't know. I feel like it's environmental, maybe. There's no way kids have w- more allergies now than a hundred years ago. Yeah. Well, it could be things are too clean. Yeah, well, that's environmental, right? It's true, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, we're designed to be more sensitive. No, but yeah, I agree with you. There's, there's no way there's, there's more germs now than there was before. Yeah, dude. There was, Ugg and Zug had germs like. Dude, Ugg and Zug were just eating gonorrhea. <laughs> Well, this is, uh, bread's got gonorrhea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this bread is only three three quarters moldy instead yeah. of the whole thing. We should definitely eat this. Yeah, it's Sh- <laughs> Sheila, I got a niche. I like how the wife's name is Sheila. <laughs> yeah. I just trying to think of an old <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sheila. <laughs> Sh- Sheila and Ugg, Barbara and Zug. Yeah, it's basically this, this, like the Flintstones. What was it, Flintstones? It was uh, Fred and Fred and Barney, Wilma and Damn. What was what was Barney's wife's name? Wilma. Barney and... I can only think Wilma and Louise. <laughs> uh, well, the only reason I remember Wilma is, Wilma! Ma! You know, the whole... Yeah. <laughs> that was like super, like, misogynist. Oh, oh completely yeah. misogynistic, yeah. The Jetsons were obviously bad, too. <clears throat> oh, yeah, all those comic books in the... Or all those... Dude, do you remember... I don't know if you're old enough to remember. Do you remember when Looney Tunes, they used to play the ones that were, like, were not... They used to play all the old Looney Tunes when I was a kid. Oh, bro. Yeah. Bro, those were bad, bro. (laughs) (laughs) When I say bad, bro, those were bad, dude. Like racial, right? Oh, my God, man. Yeah. I got to see, like, YouTube of, like, old. Unreal, man. Yeah. Just tropes, right? Like, like, old old racial tropes. Huge, man. Yeah. yeah, Disney was pretty bad. I mean, but it's a reflection well, of the Looney Tunes time. wasn't Disney, though. Oh. Disney's always been kind of a oh, that's w. That's WB. Warm yeah, up, yeah. yeah. Right. That's right. 
Yeah, Disney was pretty okay for the, you know. I mean, I'm sure there was some shit, but like it wasn't anywhere near as bad as Looney Tunes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like anything racial is not going to be great. Well, okay. <laughs> like, you're going to always touch our gradations of like things yeah. you could say, right? No, absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, or show. They're not going to say the like, N word, are they? No, they didn't say the N word, but picturette, like um, visuals I'm talking oh. about. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, dude. Um, but I just remember, you know, because someone, someone shared something on Instagram. Uh, it was an old Looney Tunes, and it was like, it wasn't, it was a little misogynistic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is nothing compared to what was, what else was out there, you know? Looney Tunes, right? We're talking yeah, about yeah. like Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was Bugs Bunny, but it was like attached to Warner, it was Warner Brothers for sure. It was like that. Oh, the best with the, remember the war propaganda. You ever see the war propaganda ones from World I War Two? Oh, dude, you got to check them out. All right. I mean, it sounds really like you got to check them out. Got to check them out. <laughs> yeah, got to yeah, check yeah. out that race. So good, yeah. you know. It's, but damn, just to see how bad it was. Yeah, it, it is a sign of times where, like, I think any kind of reflection it makes you wonder. Like at that time, if they look back on, you know, their own history, entertainment history, it's like, oh shit, we went too far on that one. I don't know how they could have went for farther. Further than, than yeah, like I, the 1920s. I, think, yes, I, I agree. Like, I, right, I like, think, yeah. What did people back then think was like barbaric? Yeah. What but did they, Ugg and Zug think were barbaric? <laughs> well, I mean, they probably thought gonorrhea was gross. Yeah. 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 I don't know. All right. Well, All right. I'll end it with some Carl Sagan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Please. This has been Carl Sagan on Chaos People. And here I am, in this world, in this amazing, beautiful blue dot, swirling in this cosmic cacophony, in a sunbeam, suspended in a sunbeam, (laughs) as I apply the last installment of this ointment on my penis. (laughs) Mommy! Mommy! Daddy! Daddy! Uh, Okay. Goodbye. We'd like to end this podcast with a quote from Carl Sagan. The cure for a fallacious argument is a better argument, not the suppression of ideas. Thank you for tuning in to Chaos People and joining us as we embraced the chaos. You can find Chaos People on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts by searching for Chaos People. You can also find us on YouTube by searching for at Chaos People Podcast. That's an ampersand followed by chaos people podcast if you'd like to support this podcast please click on the donation links found either in the show notes or in the youtube description currently you can support this podcast via patreon or via spotify which will directly help us buy more computing power to create better audio content and video content for the podcasts you can also follow chaos people on twitter by searching for the handle at chaos people pod finally you can email us at chaos people podcast at gmail.com.